You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. Today we are kicking off a new series called Eliminating Hurry. And it's based on a really excellent book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by one of my favorite authors, John Mark Comer. Uh, I have to say, I, I read books all throughout the year. And last year, this was probably the best book that I read. I would really encourage you to check it out. Really great book. And in the book, uh, John opens with this story of an English traveler who visits Africa during the height of British colonialism. And he hires these local guys guides to carry his supplies because he wants to rapidly make his way into the jungle. So they spend the day mostly on foot traveling and they're exhausted and they finally rest. They get the best night's rest you can possibly get when you're out traveling on roads in the wilderness, you know, heading into the jungle. On the next day they get up and he's ready to go because he's in a hurry and his local guides won't get up. They won't budge. They won't move. And he pleads with them. He bribes them. He, he pleads with them to get up and get moving. And finally, he asks them why. Like, why won't you, why won't you help me? Why won't you get up and move and, and carry the, my supplies and help me get moving? And here's how the guides responded. They said, because we're waiting for our souls to catch up with our bodies. Come on, how many of you ever feel like you're going through life so fast, so busy, so hurried that you're waiting for your soul to catch up with your body? Between work and text and emails and chores and bills and keeping up with the kids, if you're a parent and trying to find some time to exercise and take care of your body and trying to find time to finish watching season six of The Crown on Netflix and like all of your friends post on Instagram and reply to all of your DMs and blah, blah, it just never stops. How many of you feel like you're waiting for your soul to catch up with your body? I've come to realize that my life is, is so busy that everything I do feels hurried. I constantly find myself speeding in traffic. I can't stand waiting in lines. Man, when I'm at CVS and I'm going to the pharmacy and the line starts backing up into the aisle, like I start to fidget. I get all nervous. I get my phone out. I'm trying to multitask so I can answer some emails while I'm waiting in the line at CVS, but the Wi-Fi doesn't work. How many of you know the Wi-Fi never works at CVS? Never works at CVS. <laughs> I even listened. I have to admit this to my everlasting shame. I even listened to a book about eliminating hurry on one and a half times speed. How many of you do that? You listen to books and podcasts like one and a half times speed all the time. And after 10 years of living in the New York City area, the city that never sleeps, everywhere I go, everything else seems so slow. Have you noticed this? I'm in other cities and I'm in traffic in the line and the light turns green. And I'm like, come on, let's go, people. Let's get moving here. Come on, you New Yorkers. You know what I'm talking about. Now, it's not that busyness and speed in and of itself is bad. There's a difference between a life that's full and a busy life that's hurried. In fact, John Mark Homer says this, there's a kind of life of busyness where your life is full with things that matter, not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. The problem isn't when you have a lot to do. It's when you have too much to do, and the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry. And in this series, what we want to do over the next few weeks is we want to talk about the difference between a, between a full life and a life that's just busy. So Dallard, uh, Dallas Willard, the great theologian and author and spiritualist, he said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Wow. 
Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in, in our day. And this is where the inspiration of the name of this book comes from because Dallas Willard goes on to say, if you're going to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, then you have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. See, if I were to ask you today, what's the number one thing that's keeping you from more fully following Jesus, I'm going to guess maybe your answer might be, uh, well, sin, Pastor Jeremy, that temptation that I'm always giving into, my really bad temper. We might think of something like, like that. But I've come to recognize, I think Dallas Willard is onto something. I think for most Christians, speed and hurry and busyness is the number one thing that's keeping us from following Jesus. We're just too busy. Like, Jesus, we're just too busy for you. I think that is, that is the reality. In fact, it's not just spiritual writers and theologians who are sounding the alarm. Psychologists and mental health professionals are now labeling this epidemic of modern day living with a new diagnosis, and they call it hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. One person defined it this way. Hurry sickness is a behavior characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Sound familiar to anybody? One article in Psychology Today described it this way. Hurry sickness, a malaise in which a person feels chronically short on time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Anybody starting to recognize any symptoms of hurry sickness in your life? In fact, let me give you five symptoms of hurry sickness. There are 10 in the book, but I want to give you five for today and see if you recognize any of these in your life. Come on, we're just going to get really open and honest today. This is the judgment-free zone today. It's going to be kind of like a group therapy session, okay? Five symptoms of hurry sickness. Here's the first one. Number one, frequent irritability. Anybody knows, notice any frequent irritability in your life? I see some of you nudging the person next to you. Don't do that. This is about you, okay? Frequent irritability. Like you get mad, frustrated, or just annoyed way too easy, especially when you have to wait on other people. And I have come to recognize that being in a rush has never made me a more loving and patient person. In fact, I can hear myself yelling at my boys right now. Come on, let's go. What are you doing? I told you to be ready five minutes ago. We got to get in the car. We got to go. Let's get moving. Any parents know what I'm talking about? Frequent irritability. Number two, here's another symptom. Number two, restlessness. Restlessness. For example, whenever you finally do get some downtime, you don't even know how to relax. You're so used to be to going all the time, filling your schedule all the time. Like if you're honest, you don't even know how, how to relax. And I won't pick on you. Let me just confess for a moment. So the day after Christmas, when we're supposed to be in holiday mode, you know, the church office is pretty much closed and, and uh, we're kind of all embracing the holidays. Well, we were supposed to get on the road to go to Buffalo to see my wife's family, but Amy wasn't feeling well. So we stayed one extra day just to relax around the house. Now I'm supposed to be walking around the house in pajamas, like disheveled, just doing nothing, not shaving, just relaxing like the rest of you, like just taking the day off, right? But here's what happened. Because we took an extra day and didn't go to Buffalo, I got into my to-do list. And here's the sad thing to admit. I got so much satisfaction at putting check, check marks on my to-do list. Restlessness. We don't even know how to take a day off. Number three, do you recognize this? Number three, disordered priorities. When you feel disconnected from your identity and, and your calling. In other words, you're always, you're, uh, you're always getting sucked into what we might call the tyranny of the urgent. Like everything in your life is an emergency. Your life is reactive, not proactive. You're busier than ever, yet you still don't feel like you have time for what really matters to you or who really matters to you. 
Do you ever feel that way? Like you're like a rat on a wheel that's just running and running and going, and yet you're not getting to the things in your life that really matter. You're not spending time with the people in your life who really matter. Number four, another symptom of hurry sickness, number four is escapist behaviors. You find yourself turning to unhealthy and self-destructive habits to distract yourself because you're too tired to do the things that are truly healthy and life-giving. And so you find yourself doing things like overeating, over-drinking, like binge-watching Netflix, looking at porn, scrolling your life away on social media. And I'm not saying that, they're like, that Netflix and social media are inherently a sin, but we all know there are times when we mindlessly spend hours on these things just to distract ourselves. Escapist behavior. Behaviors. Number five, how about this one? Spiritual apathy. You have no time to pursue a relationship with God. The things that cause you to feel closer to God are the first things to go in your life because you're too busy. When your life gets so busy, instead of prayer being your go-to first, it's the first thing to go from your life and you end up spiritually apathetic. Now, let me ask you this question. Do any of these symptoms resonate with you? And I'm not here to guilt trip you today because I have come to recognize over the past few months, especially since I read this book, how many of these things are present, how many of these symptoms are present in my life, my own life quite often. And I think we all recognize the toll that hurry sickness is taking on, on our lives, on our relationships, on our emotional health, our, our physical well-being, our spiritual lives, like the toll they're taking, that modern day hurried living is taking on our very souls. So here's the question. How many of you long for something different? How many of you are like me, like you long for something different? Oh, church, I came to church this Sunday morning to give you good news. Jesus offers us a better way. Jesus offers us a better way. Here's the big idea today. Jesus invites us to move away from a life of hurry and into a new restful way of life. Jesus offers us an invitation into a different kind of life, into a new and restful way of life. Look at this, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so Jesus promises us rest. Doesn't that sound good? How many of you say, sign me up for that, Jesus? He promises us rest for our weary souls if we'll follow him and take up his yoke. But here's the question, what does that even mean? Like we all amen that, but what is that whole yoke thing really all about? Well, you have to remember that Jesus was an ancient rabbi. So when Jesus starts talking about things like yoke, he's using a, a yoke, he's using a rabbi terminology. See, in Jesus' time, a yoke was a wooden frame that was used to hold two oxen together, okay? This was a tool that the farmers would fit on the oxen so that the farmer could get both oxen working in the same direction and be more efficient. That's what a yoke was. And a yoke became a common expression for rabbis in Jesus' day, it was a way of, of describing uh, an expression, a way of describing their teaching, their, the way they interpreted and taught the, the Torah, the Old Testament, the laws and the commandments of the Old Testament. It was their, their way, it was their interpretation of teaching a, a life with God, how to live, uh, how to, to fulfill the commandments and live a life with God, how to live your life. 
And Jesus promises that if we'll follow him, his teachings, his way, it will lead to rest. See, when Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, he's not saying that being a Christian is easy. We all know that's not true. He's not saying I'm going to take away every burden from, from your life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that his yoke, his way of teaching, his way of life, it's meant to fit you properly. It fits you properly. It's what you need. It's the thing that you're longing for. It's what you need to experience the life that you've been longing for. And this way of life, when it comes upon you, when you step into it, when you follow him, it results in rest for your soul. So church, Jesus is inviting you and me into a new and better way of life. Because if we're honest, our way isn't working so well. Our way of life is not working so well. Our continued need to work crazy long hours to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like to where we just keep running, keep spending, keep burning ourselves out, keep neglecting, taking care of our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to admit, if we don't like the results we're getting, maybe it's time to opt for a new and better way. Jesus is calling us. He's inviting us. He's offering us a new and better way of life. Listen to the message paraphrase of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, which you read a few moments ago. Listen to the way the message puts this. Here's what Jesus says. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, doesn't that sound good? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so here's the question. How do we do that? How do we learn to live in sync with and rhythm with the unforced rhythms of grace? I want to give you just two simple ideas today that I hope you'll embrace. Here's the first one. Number one, I want to encourage you to embrace the way of Jesus. Somebody needs to put that in your notes today. Embrace the way of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think in many ways we've focused so much on the truth of Jesus, his teachings, that we've neglected his way. Think about it. In church, we traditionally focus on the teachings of Jesus, doctrine and beliefs, and all those things are important. They're wonderful. We need those things. But I want you to recognize that Jesus was a rabbi who invited his disciples to follow him and live the life that he modeled for them. He modeled a certain life for us to to live. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus and his way of life. I need to say that to you again. To be a Christian isn't just to mentally assent to Christian doctrine. Okay. Oh yeah, I believe Jesus was the son of God. I believe in the teachings of scripture. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the historic Christian faith. That's wonderful. But I think in many times as modern day Western Christians, we tend to just have mental assent. Okay, check the boxes. I believe that makes me a Christian. And Jesus is saying, no, no, I want you to follow me. To be a Christian is to be a follower of the way of Jesus. Eugene Peterson, great author and theologian and writer, he said this, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. Got to have all three. 
See, if you want the life of Jesus, then you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. What does that mean? Well, the way he prayed, the way he rested, the way he interacted with people, the way he stayed grounded in his identity and didn't let other people pull him off course. We got to study the life of Jesus. We got to take notes on the life of Jesus. Have you read the Gospels? The Gospels are descriptions of the life of Jesus. We maybe need, to, maybe it's just time to get back into the Gospels and spend some time reading about how Jesus lived his life start emulating his way. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? Like those of you, if you're in a certain industry, we all have certain heroes for whatever industry we're in, right? They're the books we read. They're the podcasts and TED Talks that we listen to. They're the people we want to be like, hello, maybe it's time we wake up and do that with Jesus. I'm going to get into the Gospels and read about how Jesus, the Son of God, the one who said, I, who said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. If he had abundant life, whatever Jesus was doing, maybe it's time for me to start doing that. It's not enough just to believe, Jesus, I want to embrace your way. Let me give you this example. How many of you have that friend in your life who's in really good shape? Come on, we all have that friend. Like they look like they're 10 years younger than, than they should look, right? They look amazing in a bathing suit. Come on, guys, they have abs. Like, come on, man, you got abs, right? They're always eating good, taking care of themselves. And you look at them like they're exercising, they're running, they're working out. They don't skip on leg day. Come on, they're in the gym on leg day. And you want to look like them, right? But then you hang out with them and you see their lifestyle. You see how early they are up in the morning. You see them running even when it's snowing. Come on, it's snowing and you're out running with like frostbite and your face is freezing off and you're running. Every time you're going out to eat, you're ordering pizza. They're ordering salad. And here's what you recognize. You want their results. You want their life. You want to look like them, but you don't want to live their lifestyle. <laughs> you do a cost-benefit analysis and recognize, I don't want your lifestyle. And I think in many ways, when it comes to following Jesus, we look at the life of Jesus, the abundant, rich, good life he invites us to, but then we run the cost-benefit analysis, and we're not so sure we want to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus that it takes to have it. See, when we practice the truth of Jesus, Without the way of Jesus, we don't experience the life of Jesus. Can I say that to you again? When we, when we practice the truth of Jesus, Lord, Lord, I believe in you. God, I believe your word. God, I come to Christian. I, I come to church. I'm a Christian. Um, but we don't practice his way, then we don't experience the life of Jesus. And this is why so often we come to church on a Sunday and we get a hit of spiritual truth that makes us feel good. But then we go back to our lives and we live them the same old way. And we wonder why this Christianity thing isn't working out for us. It's time to move past this whole idea of Christianity just being something intellectual, something we believe in, and embrace the way of Jesus. Embrace the way of Jesus. And I'm not saying I've arrived. See, to be a disciple is to follow, right? This is a lifelong journey in which we're pursuing Jesus. We're not going to reach perfection. I'm a fellow disciple with you. I'm a fellow follower like you. There are days I stumble. There are days I fall behind. But we got to get up, dust ourselves off, and get really resolute about following Jesus. Here's the second thing. Amen. Here's the second thing. How do we do this? How do we embrace and live this life of the unforced rhythms of grace? Number two, we embrace a rule of life, a rule of life. And you say, what is that? Pastor, are you going to give me some rules here? I thought this church wasn't like that. We're not religious. You're going to give me rules. Let me tell you, what does this mean? A rule of life is a rhythm and a set of practices that helps you and me from getting sucked into the hurry and the ways of this world that constantly deplete our souls. Pete Scazzaro, really great writer in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he said this, the word rule, it comes from the Greek word for trellis. 
A trellis is a tool that enables a grapevine to, to get off the ground and grow upwards. Some of you are, are gardeners. You, you know what a, tre- a trellis is, right? Becoming more fruitful and productive. In the same way, a rule of life is a trellis that helps us abide in Christ and become more fruitful spiritually. And so having a rule of life, this isn't about adding something to our already really busy lives. A rule of life helps us figure out what doesn't fit into the life that Jesus is calling us to. So you have to get this, okay? We have to get our priorities straight. First, we choose a life with Jesus. That has to become the priority. See, that, that's the problem. The reality is that we're choosing we're choosing a lot of other things first, and then we want to fit Jesus into it. Now, God, I'm choosing my career first. I'm choosing money first. I'm choosing whatever I'm chasing after first, and then I want to fit Jesus into one of those compartments. No. We have to decide first, I'm going to follow Jesus, and then I'm going to orient my life around that. And so I need structures in place to help me grow spiritually, to nurture me so that I can grow. I need a framework that helps me know what fits into my life and what doesn't fit into my life. Let me put it to you this way. Have you ever met somebody who just carried a sense of God's presence? You ever met somebody that just had a real depth about them, a real spirituality? Like somebody, when you spent time with them, you could tell they'd been with Jesus. Maybe some of you had a praying grandmother like that. Maybe some of you had a pastor or a priest or a friend in your life. Like when you spent time with them, there was a sense like this is a person who has been with God. Have you ever had someone in your life like that? Well, let me tell you how they got that way. They got that way because they developed a rule of life. They figured out how to prioritize a life with God. And it looks different for everybody, but they figured out how to prioritize a life with God and they got those results. Jesus said this, John chapter 15, verse five. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said, you have to remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you stay connected to me, I am the source of life. Jesus is inviting you and me as his followers to remain in him, to stay connected to the source of life. And so think about a trellis for a moment. We have a picture for you here on the screen of a vineyard. You can see the the vines there, the grapevines growing on the trellises there, okay? So what a trellis is to a vine, a rule of life is to abiding in Jesus. It's a structure. See, if a vine doesn't have a trellis, it can wither. It, it, It can die. If your life with Jesus doesn't have structure, doesn't have rhythms, doesn't have practices to facilitate your spiritual growth, then your soul will wither away. See, following Jesus has to make it into your practices. I'm going to keep saying it. It can't just live here. It's got to find its way into your rhythms, into your practices, or it'll always just remain a theory. It'll just remain an idea in in your life. It won't become a reality in your life. And so you got to find ways to practice the way of Jesus. And that is the challenge for most of us. If we're honest, of us, most of us are just too busy to actually follow Jesus. And I know I'm sensing the mental protest right now, but Pastor Jeremy, you don't understand how busy my life is. Pastor Jeremy, you don't understand. I have a really demanding career. Pastor Jeremy, I have really young children. Pastor Jeremy, my kids are up and coming sports stars. And so they have to be in every travel league possible because I am so sure they're going to make it to the major leagues and they're going to, they're going to make it really big. I'm just so sure. Okay. We've all seen your kids. Just relax. Take some time. Okay. That ain't that impressive. I'm just saying. Okay. (laughs) I get it. I get it. But here's the reality. I love you, but somebody's got to say it. If you're too busy to follow Jesus, then you're just too busy. And maybe for some of us, we just need to have an honest talk with ourselves and just be really real with ourselves. Instead of me preaching at you, just assess how busy you are. 
And if you, maybe, maybe the first realization you're going to come to is, yep, I've just been too busy to follow Jesus. I need to call it what it is. And I got to get my priorities straight. See, our relationship, we all, we all know that any relationship, if you want it to flourish, you got to invest time into it. We all know how relationships work. If you want a relationship to flourish, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta invest into it. Okay, let me just talk to the married people for this is an easy example. Okay, if you're married, imagine your spouse comes to you and says, hey, I wanna spend more time with you. We really need to get a date night on the calendar. Imagine you would respond, I'll, I'll say this to the husband, since I'm a husband. Imagine you would have said to your wife, well, that would be nice, but I'm just too busy for you. And then you proceed to get onto Netflix and start watching the show that you're watching and watching your sports show that you're watching, you know? But be careful, be careful because she might, if she's cooking for you, she might poison you. Like she knows how to kill you and make it look like an accident. I'm just saying, and collect the life insurance policy. I have told the church for years, if I ever die and it looks suspect, you guys should investigate Amy, okay? Because I'm worth more dead than alive, I promise you. <laughs> she's taking the money and running. But here's the point, we all understand how relationships work and it's no different than our relationship with Jesus. If you want your relationship with Jesus to flourish, then, then you have to prioritize investing in it. So let's get practical, okay? I want to give you an example of a rule of life. We're going to make this really practical. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, this verse provides a really good framework for us to develop our rule of life, our way of life, because we see four aspects here, mental, physical, spiritual, and relational. In fact, we have a quadrant here on the screen to think about those things, okay? We see in the life of Jesus, he grew mentally, he grew physically, he grew spiritually, he grew relationally. Like, what if you started in these four areas? In fact, I'm gonna get out the way, I'll let y'all take a picture of that. What if you started in, in these four areas and thought, thought about, what do I need to prioritize in, er, in each of these areas, maybe one thing I need to do to create a rule of life, to create some structure, to create some rhythms that will help me grow because I don't want this whole Christianity thing just to be something that lives in my head. I don't want Christianity just to be something I believe, something I do for one hour on a Sunday morning. I want this to become a way of life. I want to embrace the way of Jesus, not just the truth of Jesus, so I can experience the life of Jesus. And so I would encourage you to start thinking in these four categories. And I'll just give you some simple examples from my life, maybe just one one or two examples from my own personal rule of life. Not everything I do. So mentally, for example, one thing for me, it's reading books like The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That book has been preaching to me for months now. It's really been convicting me. So now that when I'm standing in the line at CVS, I'm learning how to just calm down and take a deep breath and say, Lord, it's okay. I'm going to stand here in this line and just spend some time with you, even right here in this aisle at CVS. I'm not going to be all agitated. What are you doing mentally to grow mentally? Okay, God, God doesn't just care about your soul. He cares about your mind. So maybe it's listening to, uh, reading some good books or listening to podcasts that help you. I do that. Uh, how about physically? What are you doing to take care of your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Jesus didn't just come to save us as souls. He came to save us as wholes. He cares about the whole thing. So for me, I run. I get up in the morning and I run. I love to walk. That's one of the things that I do. I've really been working on eating healthier. Uh, what is it for you? What do you need to embrace physically? Rule of life, spiritually. For me, it's getting up in the morning, spending time in prayer and reading my Bible. I, I gotta do it in the morning. I, I'm like you, I'm too busy. If it, do it when it fits for you. If I don't do it in the morning, it'll get lost in the shuffle. I gotta spend time in God's word. The best way I start my day is when I get out and go for a run than I go for a prayer walk. No better way for me to start the day. Relationally. Are you investing in the relationships? Like to be a Christian is to be in community. We need relationships. What do you need to invest in? For me, one, one example, I've been in a small group with other pastors now for years. 
We pray together. We hold each other accountable. We grow together spiritually. We meet together because um, some of them aren't local. We're all up and down the East Coast. We meet together in person several times a year. We get together. We prioritize it. I get my butt on a plane to go spend time with these other pastors because I need them in my life. What's your rule of life? I would encourage you to just start right there, take a picture of that and start praying about, God, what, what do I need to embrace? And, and once again, this isn't just about adding something else to your life. This is like, Jesus, I'm choosing a life with you first. And so I'm gonna prioritize these things first. And then the other things that don't fit into my life get squeezed out because I need structure. I need a pattern. I need rhythms. And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at some ancient practices that are going to help you embrace the unforced rhythms of grace and to live the life that Jesus is calling you to. Come on, it's time to slow down, church. It's time to slow down and allow our souls to catch up with our bodies. Jesus, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Jesus is inviting you and me to follow him, not just to believe in him, but to follow his way so that we can find rest for our weary souls. And I want to tell you, this is really personal for me. I want to share a little bit from my own life because the Lord has really been speaking to me about this especially the last two years. I've come to recognize in the last two years that I've been running really hard, really fast over the past decade of my life, planning a church and seeing it grow and pouring my life into it. And it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing, but I have limits just like you have limits. And the Holy Spirit's really been teaching me and dealing with me because about two years ago, I had some things show up in my, in my body, in my health that started challenging me. I haven't had quite the same level of strength and energy that I used to have, started having some back problems, different things like that. And it led me on a journey to really start paying more attention to, to my life because how many of you know the body keeps score? Your body keeps score. If you don't take care of it, it'll begin to give you some alerts and some signals. And so I went on a journey. I've been on a journey to learn and take better care of myself. And the interesting thing is I've gone to my doctor the last couple of years and done blood work and done the physical and done all that stuff. And my doctor looks at me and he says, you're fine. Everything's good. Your blood work is fine. You're good. But how many of you know, doctors don't know how to, de how to diagnose hurry sickness, but we have a great physician who knows how to heal our souls. Come on, we have one who knows how to care for us, who knows how to fix you, even when you don't know how to fix yourself. And so I had to swallow my pride as I've turned to my other pastors and my overseers and the pastors who speak into my life, and I've had to submit myself to their voices and to their accountability, and I've come to recognize that my life has been way too fast, way too hurried, way too busy, and honestly, way too stressful. And I don't have it all figured out. I'm a fellow disciple like you, doing my best to follow Jesus. But I want you to know, like, this is, this is something that, that God's doing in me, and I wanna, I wanna see you come along on the journey because I really want to live into those unforced rhythms of grace in my life. I know that I need rest for, for my soul. And I know how much we all need this. And Jesus is inviting us. He said, come follow me. Like what you're doing isn't working. I got something so much better for you. Come on, if you want that today, would you just, would you just take a moment to pray right where you are? Just bow your head. Just open your heart today. Can we just take a moment 
to answer that call, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Jesus, we, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your life-giving word. We thank you for your invitation to follow you, to know you, to embrace your way of life, life and life more abundantly. And Lord, today we recognize that in so many ways our souls are weary and what we're doing isn't working. We want to follow you. We want to follow your way of life. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us because in so many ways we have not prioritized a life with you. We've settled for something so much less than a life with you, walking with you, a life of deeply abiding in, in your presence. But Lord, today we're turning our hearts back to you today and we are releasing our worries and our anxieties and our fear and our stress. And we wanna enter into this life that you have for us. God, we're asking you to help us to remain in you, to stay connected to the vine, to abide with you, to remain in you so that we can find rest for our weary souls. Oh, I pray for the person today who would who feels so far away from you, God. Their life has been so full of so many other things. They would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want a relationship with God. I used to feel so close to him. I used to feel like I had a sense of his presence in my life. I used to feel like I, I, I knew him, but it's been so long since I felt close to him and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know where to start. Some of you, maybe there's some kind of religious background. Maybe you went to church as a child. Maybe you went to religious education class or Sunday school or something like that. And you'd say, man, I want to know God, but he feels a million miles away. And Jesus today is is calling you. He's saying, come, follow me. Believe in me. Trust me. Follow me. And there's something in your heart that would say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to just invite you to say, Jesus, I place my faith in you today. Come on, if this is you, just pray this with me. Jesus, I'm placing my faith in you today. I want to follow you. I believe you are the son of God and I need your way of life. I recognize today that my way it's not working. And I'm turning from my sins. And I'm placing my faith in you today, Jesus. Not just to believe in you, but to follow you. To follow you. I believe you are the Son of God. That you went to the cross for my sins. You're resurrected to give me new life. And I place my faith in you today. I want to follow you. Father, thank you for every person who prayed that prayer today. God, thank you for every person who recommitted themselves to you today. We thank you that whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone away and the new has come. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.